My mom has had to get more comfortable. As an example, me sharing that she has been married that many times and how that winds up affecting my understanding of love and relationships and what I'm available for. You know, for her, she's like, but you turned out okay. And I go, that's not how trauma works. Right. Welcome to the Wellness Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, and I'm excited to take you on a journey to reclaiming and reconnecting to your magic, the magic of your health, your wealth, and your soul's purpose. As a woman's wellness coach and business mentor, I've been coaching women for over 15 years, helping them rediscover their innate abilities to heal, to transform, and to manifest their deepest desires. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of inspiration and information, diving into the multifaceted approach of what it means to live to our fullest potential. Let's do this. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everybody. I hope your day is off to a beautiful start. We're having a juicy conversation today all about sex and relationships with my guest, Alexa Bowditch. And we talk about the four things that ruin a relationship. We talk about the power of having a sex schedule. And Alexa takes us through this journey of growing up and what she was taught about relationships, what she was taught about sex, what she witnessed witnessed in her own family, amongst her mother and her relationships, and how she basically carried that into adulthood and how that started to impact not just her own personal power and her own health and well-being and connection to sex and herself and her femininity, but how that also started to impact her relationships. So it's a really powerful conversation. I love the transparency that she brings and just the tips and the wealth of knowledge. And I love that we are having this conversation because number one, I think it can be sometimes really uncomfortable and you're really going to hear about sex from a very different perspective. And that's really all about reclaiming the personal power for yourself, but how you can reestablish that personal power within your relationship and have really deep conversations and be open to holding space for each other because that's ultimately where really good sex begins. So Alexa is a sex and relationship by design coach and sex coach business mentor on a mission to reform sex education and sexuality expression across the globe. She is from the deep South of Louisiana. And if anyone knows how to bust through taboos regarding sex, it's her. She is known as that sex chick across social media and is the founder of the sex and love community a New York Times featured group with love, sex, and relationships as the central focus. Let's dive in. Enjoy. Hi, Alexa. Welcome to the podcast. Yay. This is going to be so fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm excited to dive into our topic today. Love to dive into. And before we do, I would love it if you can share with our audience a little bit more about you and who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, let's see. I'm not going to give you this stuff that I normally just regurgitate information. See how I feel today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, technically, I'm from a small town that's just underneath New Orleans called Belchase. Um, and so lived, grew up in New Orleans in this small, mostly Catholic town and traveled the world after college um, I've been to 79 countries. Wow. I, <laughs> yeah, awesome. I, I lived on cruise ships for almost six years. 
got off of ships, started my entrepreneurial, well, first off, started my person, my own personal development journey, started mm -hmm. my own sexual development journey. Eventually that inspired me so much that I started the entrepreneurial journey and um, wanting to help people with their sex, their love, and their relationships. Uh, so stopped my world travels, decided to put down some roots. For a little while, it was New Orleans. And then I thought, I don't think this is really my place, mm -hmm. but I, it'll always be home. Met my now husband on Facebook. Awesome. Uh, we started our relationship. He was living in California. I was in New Orleans. We finished out individual leases in either location and then decided about a year into our relationship to move to Austin, Texas. And so we have been here over three years now. We're married almost wow. one year. And so we have two oh, dogs, man. a blue-nosed pit bull named Biggie and oh, so a black cute. and white <laughs> Frenchie who is named Little. We did not name them these things Biggie on purpose. Uh, it kind of just happened. So, And it was appropriate for Little because she stayed very tiny. She's not, you know, one of those chunky uh, French bulldogs. She stayed so very petite cute. and very sassy. So... So there's my my non-typical share. I love it. That's <laughs> great. I know it's so easy to get caught up in like the elevator pitch type yeah. type of bio, right? So yeah. I love that. We got to learn a little bit about you. So tell us more about you said you went through, you know, your own journey with like personal growth and really diving into sex and like really that I'm going to assume maybe connecting more to like your feminine nature and just your eroticism and sexuality. Like what did that journey look like for you? So I, I grew up understanding that relationships and love were supposed to look one way. Right. But what was actually modeled for me was not that way, but I kind of had a little bit of both. So I had grandparents that I spent, my mom was, um, in the Air Force. So she was in the military. She retired at 20 some odd years in the military and did wow. the single mom thing. Yeah. But even though she did the single mom thing, she's been married five times. Wow. So I saw, but now not all five of them were in my lifetime. So right. my, my sister got to see them all. <laughs> we're, we are 13 years apart. So she wow. got to see, I think the, the majority of the loves of my mom's life, but yeah. Uh, my grandparents, so I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and they were married almost 50 years before my grandfather passed away. So I saw a relationship that was what it was supposed to be like, which meant you stayed together for the family and you stayed together out of, um, out of pattern and habit. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily because you loved, it was because you made this agreement and the success of this marriage is the longevity of it. So I saw two people that bickered constantly. Mm that didn't really appear to love each other very much, but that was apparently how love looked in a right. long-term marriage and in relationship. And then with my mom, I saw, well, out with one and in with the other, you know, where it's like, well, this isn't working, move one out. And then it was always, well, once it was done, we don't talk about that anymore. That was in the past. We're in the future. We're okay now. So... I said, I got a lot of mixed messages when it came to relationships and love. And I also got a lot of mixed messages when it came to sex. Um, I only understood don't do it, which I think is the majority of young people still in the right. United States and all over the world is to just receive this message of don't do it. And it's not only just don't do it, it's don't touch your own body. Don't even right. be curious about it. It's at all costs, 
avoid it. When mm-hmm. I think the majority of adults know it wasn't possible, you know, totally. growing yeah. up and hormones and puppy love and things feeling so exciting and adrenaline and all of that, it's impossible not to do it. Yep. So I, my body felt one way. The messaging I received from Catholic school told me another thing. And so I was very confused. I just knew that I wanted to get into a relationship and do it differently than what I saw my mom do it. And, uh, that didn't work. <laughs> it didn't, right. it didn't work out that way. Yeah. So am I, you know, all throughout my high school time and young adulthood, I dealt with, um, other women in my world being, now I look at it and I'll just use, you know, the language that I would have said at that time, threatened by me or intimidated by me. I'm a big personality. I feel very deeply, very strongly. I have a lot of emotions and, um, a lot of the girls when I was growing up were very cruel to me. And Mm -hmm. I will consider myself in that group too, because we were cruel back and forth to each other. So I grew up with, um, you know, Alexis, a slut written really big on the outside of my house when I was, I think a junior in high school. And the way that it was put onto the house, it was written in mustard and it was pre we pressure washed it off the house, but because of the sun, hitting on it when it was pressure washed off it stripped the paint on that side of the house so that it still said alexa's a slut really big on the side of my house so i i had a very challenging time with trying to figure out who was i supposed to be that Mm -hmm. would make me good and right and true and would prove that i wasn't this thing even though i knew i wasn't but did it matter? It was very, very confusing. So as I got For older sure. and I wound up getting into relationships, I thought, let me just hold on to this as hard as I can and try to make it work so that I'm with one person. It's respectable. It's going in a certain direction. I'm going to get my college education. I'm going to do all these things that are, you know, against what I saw, which was, you know, what, what I would assumed was normal. Mm-hmm. But none of it really, none of it really worked. I tried for a different normal. It didn't really work. So uh, when I graduated college and then started my career on cruise ships, it was because a guy had introduced me to the world of cruising and being a crew member. And that was someone that I would be with for four years and thought again, that I was going to do life unconventionally since we were world travelers and he was from a different country. And I thought I was finally going to have it figured out. And that didn't work either. That relationship showed me so much of what I now will never stand for. But thank goodness I was able to see it at such a young age. That way, moving forward after that relationship, I knew I'd never stand for those things again. Totally. So uh, it, I say all that because it wasn't clear and it wasn't straightforward and it was very tumultuous. I was lied to, cheated on. I was the cheater. Things were deceitful, lack of loyalty, hurting each other, emotional abuse. It was a lot of just trying to figure it out as a young person Mm -hmm. and really so badly wanting to live a life that I felt whole in, but so much of me, I didn't understand, which makes sense for your early to mid twenties, right? I didn't really understand it. Yeah. So when that relationship ended and I was still cruising and living on ships by myself, uh, well, not by myself, but I was a single woman on ships at that time. I 
was very hesitant to get into relationships or to get into a relationship that was a romantic relationship where I built something with someone, it, I then shifted hard into everything's casual and I'm going to hold everyone at a distance because this isn't safe. This is not worth my time. This is scary. I'd rather just focus on my career. And so I hardened a lot. And, and that typical um, alpha woman, stubborn, bossy, yeah. big energy holds her own. And a lot of it in some ways is protection mechanisms, but they serve me for sure, especially for sure. in like a, a corporate environment. Yes. I'm going to get things done, especially surrounded by men. And so what I eventually started was, it was like the opening of my sexual development journey. I was only available for sexual experiences. Mm. I wasn't available for this relationship stuff because I just needed a break from it. For a while, I wasn't open to any of it. And then eventually, you know, you get a little thirsty and you're like, okay, I'd like to be touched. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was maybe 28, 20, no, uh, maybe 26, 27 at the time. Yeah. And um, started opening up. My mind read books like uh, The Power of Now and The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. So I just started yeah. to find personal development. And what I noticed was personal development wasn't really helping me with the dating thing mm -hmm. or the sex thing. You know, I, I didn't want to start a relationship, but I'd catch feels right away. And I wouldn't know how to respond or answer. Like, I wouldn't know what to do. And I'd, I'd feel like I was 14 all over again, over and over again. So eventually I started looking at where is personal development, this information I'm receiving, kind of failing me with my sexual understanding and my totally. relationship understanding. Luckily, I was uh, universe put in my path, someone who taught me or introduced me to consensual non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, which I didn't even know was a thing, mm -hmm. gave me books like Sex at Dawn, which changed my world, and The Ethical Slut, again, changed my world. Mm -hmm. And after this person, the next person that I was intimate with was, and I knew that these things were temporary. We were crew members on cruise ships. Things change very fast. For sure. The next person I was introduced to, or that came into my, um, on my path, introduced me to BDSM and kink. And so that, those experiences, which I didn't know that that's what it was called right. at the time. I just yeah. knew I was leaving the cabin going, what the hell just happened? I didn't know I liked that. I would like that. I didn't know my body could do that. I had no idea that that was inside of me. Mm -hmm. And it was from then on that I started getting really, really curious about the intersection of personal development, spirituality, and sex. And so after my next contract, I, I just leapt in. I had savings from being a single chick, making a decent salary. Uh, well, was making commission, uh, yeah. living in on cruise ships with no overhead. So I had a decent savings. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try and make something out of this blogging, podcasting, coaching, going to events, working on my personal development. I made yeah. my personal and sexual development, my, my job. And spoke about it very publicly. And so now I've been doing this for almost six years now. Amazing. And it, I can't believe what it's turned into. But it, it didn't start with this wanting to be more in my feminine or wanting to be a softer, more um, feminine kind of version of myself. Mm -hmm. It was mostly, holy shit, I didn't know that there was so much more to me. Right. And I actually went about a lot of my sexual development at first from a bit of a masculine perspective. 
where it was structured and like, what can I figure out and who can give me this, these experiences and let me hold love at arm's distance for my mm-hmm. protection. Right. And it was only a little bit later on the journey. Um, and then also an introduction to psychedelics that I realized that I was doing all of this with an underlying um, kind of energy of fear. And so through time and Tantra and really meant for me partnerships, whether they were, you know, in a moment or if they were actually long withstanding, those things helped me to soften up a bit. So I figured I'd touch on that too. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I love it. So when you started to really dive into this space and you were like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is going to be my business. I'm going to assume that there is perhaps some level of or was there a level of discomfort of like, oh my God, what are my family and friends going to think of me? Yeah. Like what happened there? My family pushed back pretty hard, contracted pretty hard when I first started speaking openly and publicly. Mm -hmm. And this is for sure a bit of my personality. If I could go back and do a couple of things differently, I would have approached this with much more grace that I just didn't (laughs) have it in me at the time. For sure. You know, when I lived on cruise ships, then my family was, they were paying attention to me from a distance. It was basically anything that I shared on social media. People were living vicariously through me. It was mostly on Facebook at the time. That was really the only one that was really big right? at that time. And it was the way that I showed up was that I was living a fairy tale. When I was in that relationship and then after the fact, I was just showing the happy moments. I wasn't showing what was really going on deep down. And it was almost like I held it against them in this weird way where I I didn't allow myself to share with them what was really going on for me, what was mm-hmm. the deep, dark places that I was really going in that relationship. And then after, afterwards, they could tell occasionally something was going on, but I didn't tell them what. And then I held it against them, almost like you're not safe enough. I don't, I'm positioning you to not be safe enough for me to tell you these things, which is, and then I wasn't taking personal responsibility for it. By the time that I actually started sharing, I felt like I couldn't keep anything in anymore. Mm. I had to share. And so my sharing originally was me just telling parts of my story that nobody knew, that there I was gallivanting around the world. And little did y'all know this kind of gnarly thing was going on for me and often was about my relationship that I was in. Mm -hmm. And everybody just thought I was living a dream and that we were perfect for each other when in reality there was so much darkness going on. So I started sharing that and it was challenging. I think for my mom specifically, it was she was a bit in pain that I was in pain and she didn't know. Right. For everybody else, the fact that I was being open about, you know, being in a relationship where it was sexless towards the end and then talking about the few and far between times where we did have sex, me talking about my inner dialogue and what I was going through and how I internalized that. And this like the idea that my value is determined by my, my, my body equals my value. And if my significant other is not engaging with it, then I have almost zero self-worth. And then I project that onto my partner, that something's wrong with him. But in reality, my internal world is something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And me sharing those things was very challenging for them to hear me even talking about the fact that I was having sex. 
And right. so extrapolate that. I've, I've told many, many, many stories now. And, you know, with my sister, my brother-in-law, they made my nieces stop following me. They were like, wow. we Alexis completely lost, you know, I want to say like, um, I think this is a South African quote. She's lost the plot or, uh, right. or an English quote, but which it's funny because I'm like, remember, I remember, I probably only even have the access to that phrase because I'm talking about this time in my life. Right. But yeah, so it, my, my family just really contracted. I also thought, think that they were very fearful that I was going to air everybody's dirty laundry. Right. So my mom has had to get more comfortable with hearing me say she's been married five times as if mm. she doesn't already know that. Right. So as an example, me sharing, you know, that she has been married that many times and how that winds up affecting my understanding of love and relationships and what I'm available for. The fact that my father exited the scene when I was three, you know, for her, she's like, but you turned out okay. And I go, that's not how trauma works. Right. Right. So that yeah. isn't how trauma works. I see he leaves. They don't stay. I don't need them. Mm -hmm. So here's this big personality, this emotional big personality and a little creature that's now growing up that's like, yeah, sure, I want you, but I don't need you. Yeah. Now tell me, how, how do I get married? <laughs> if I, if any time there's conflict or something comes up, I just push. Yeah. I push away. I'm actually going to go over there. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was a really interesting thing at first for my for my mom to hear me start talking about the ways that other pe and my people in my family, their choices yes. affected me. Totally. That was hard. Now it's very healing, you know, and I'm everybody's favorite party trick. So I don't even talk about what I do anywhere I go, but we go to like a social gathering. And because, you know, I guess there's something about breaking into your 30s. It's like, oh, she's actually an adult now. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Lex, Lex, yeah, come over here. Do you, did you hear? Do you know what my sister-in-law does? And I'm like, yeah. Do you remember when you weren't letting anybody else in the family come near me? Totally. So we've had a journey for sure. Yeah. And now it's, it's, you know, I got, I got a, an actually a text message maybe last week from a, like kind of a, a removed family member that said they were listening to the podcast I did on my show with my mom mm. uh, because she's been on my show now. And I got to ask her, how did all this feel? Yeah. Being the mom to a daughter that chose this life path. And he told me that he was laughing and crying while he was listening to it. And then he was so proud and that oh. he's so happy that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But it took almost six years mm -hmm. to get mm -hmm. that reaction. Totally. So. Like it all has to happen in its own timeline, yeah. right? So I think it's beautiful that you're at a place now where your family and, you know, friends and whatnot is like really accepting of it and it's so, so much more open to it. But I mean, I can totally relate to just like, not that I'm in, you know, not that I'm a sex coach or anything like that, but just being in the world of health, wellness, business, entrepreneurship, doing my own thing, you know, talking about money in a different way, talking about health and living and in a different way, you know, for sure it, 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 it ruffles feathers mm -hmm. and everyone has to, again, find their, find their own way and do their own healing and to put a timeline on that, you know, you just don't know. You don't know when it's going to happen. And you just trust that you're going to get on the other side of it and you're both going to make it through and still be able to, to love each other and connect. Right. Mm. So yeah, I think it's beautiful that you're in that space now. That's mm. awesome. I saw that you yeah. had your mom on the podcast and 
I, I didn't listen to that episode, but I'm going to have to dive in now. Yeah. <laughs> she, it yeah. was episode one. So it was back in 2020. I need to get her on for uh, a round two and see, but it was kind of like pulling teeth to get her to answer things. So, you know, Aww. and it, it was so funny because I would ask a question and she'd go, well, you know, you know, I don't know. <laughs> no, no. If you had to know, what would you say? What would you say? Yeah. And so when, and it was so funny because when we hit stop recording, she started rattling off all this stuff. Right. You know, like myths that she heard when she was growing up and, yeah. you know, old wives tales about pregnancy and sex and all this stuff. And I was like, mom, you do understand that's not how pod the podcast thing works, right? right. You say it when While. we're recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh, that's cute. Awesome. Yeah, we have a great relationship, especially now. We always have, mm -hmm. but uh, I think because I am more of who I really am and totally. I'm not afraid to show it to her or anyone and I'm willing to have really difficult conversations, I'm, I'm willing to be vulnerable even when most of my life I've, I've, I have felt like these people, even though they are my safest place because they are my family, right. I have interpreted, internalized that they aren't safe. Yeah. So, but I'm willing as an adult to hold myself in a way that I wish that they could instead of being resentful for them not being able to do something they've never learned. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and it's, it's challenging. You know, that, that, for uh, sure. is it the Ram Dass quote? Is it Ram Dass that um, has the, if you think you're so evolved, go spend a week with your family? Oh, right. <laughs> I love that. I don't know that. if that's, if that's I'm not sure. did the quote, but that's, yeah. that's a quote. And I, for sure, absolutely. Well, I think it's really beautiful that like through your own healing, you have probably helped your mom heal so much. So much. Yeah. That's really, that's really amazing. I think she hates it. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. On some level, there's, yeah. there's probably some discomfort there for sure. You guys have probably heard me sing the praises of Branch Basics for very good reason. If you are looking to eliminate toxic cleaners in your home, Branch Basics is where it's at. I absolutely love them. They are plant and mineral based, fragrance free, no harmful preservatives, biodegradable, not tested on animals, and non-GMO. I got the starter kit and basically here's how this works. In the starter kit, you're going to receive a bottle of their concentrate and you're also going to receive five empty bottles. And that sounds crazy, but listen up. You're going to get your bottle for your all-purpose cleaner, your bottle for your bathroom cleaner, a bottle for your streak-free cleaning for your windows, a bottle to make your foaming hand wash, and then the laundry bottle. Now, here's what you do. You take the concentrate and you add it to each of these bottles. It tells you how much to add to each bottle. Then you add the concentrate, fill it up with water, and off you go to clean. With this concentrate, you actually get 64 loads of laundry, three of the foaming hand washes, three streak-free bottles, three bathroom bottles, three all-purpose. You actually get so much use out of just one bottle of concentrate. You're going to save so much by doing this. They're all refillable, so they're better for the environment and also your wallet. I absolutely love them. If you'd like to get your hands on the starter kit, head on over to branchbasics.com. Use the coupon code wellnesswitch at checkout and that will save you 15% off.
For all my wellness coaches and practitioners that are listening today, if you are looking for support to launch, grow, and scale your online business, my team and I are here to help. Our nine-month Align and Lead Business Mentorship Program is here to help take you from basically nothing to creating an actual sales process and sales system in your business so that you know how to go out there and bring in leads for your business, nurture those leads, and have an effective sales process to continually grow and bring in revenue. We're going to help you set up your signature webinar, create your signature coaching program, create amazing content for social media, put together funnels and systems that might sound a bit overwhelming, but our tech team is here to literally take it off of your hands. I am so excited to offer this level of support and to really coach you in growing into the leader and the CEO that I know that you are. If you would like to learn more, head on over to samanthagladish.com forward slash mentorship for all the details. Okay. So moving into the topic of sex, I think this is a a topic that is so intimidating Mm -hmm. for so many people and is so uncomfortable for so many people, especially so many couples. So I mean, I have so many questions for you. (laughs) They're just all over the place. But I feel like I might want to just let you kind of take the reins here in terms of like when it comes to sex and couples trying to reignite that fire that maybe has been lost, where does somebody start? And is it even, is that where you even start? Is it, does it go somewhere else? Like, I'm going to let you take this away and, you know, where do we start with this? Yeah, I'm super fascinated by this too. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, I think I'll have that as a question for my whole life. And I'm super fascinated by this subject. So I will read any and all books. Mm -hmm. I will go back to some, you know, certifications and schooling and things. And and it all, nobody really knows the answer. Totally. Because people are unique and their situations are unique. Granted, we can see themes over and over again. And when it's, we want to get, we want to come closer. We want to come back together, know that the spark, so to speak, when people are referring to the spark, which is typical for the first, you know, within the first year usually right, of being in a relationship. And I think some people go through, you know, the honeymoon phase when they get married, if they're in a, you know, a relationship and then there's that first year or so. Some people, it, it winds up fizzling a little bit sooner, like six months, maybe even a little bit before then. And right. then it's almost like they have another wave of that possibly. And some people don't whenever it comes to actually getting married. Um, but I think what will serve a lot of people is knowing that it's it's normal. This thing is, a, it, it's a science experiment, right? With the neurochemicals that are present in a person's body. Right. So when you meet someone and it's fresh and it's new, there's a lot of risk. Where's this going to go? There's a lot of adrenaline. Oh, totally. We're going to surprise each other. We're on our best behavior because we really want that person to like us. And so maybe we go out of our way to clean up after ourselves more, or maybe we go out of our way to cook a thing or do a certain thing because we really want to put our best foot forward. And then as time goes by, and and typically in the beginning of a relationship, you're living in two different locations. And so as time goes by and you get closer and the closeness, the the possibility of the closeness, the possibility of you moving in, that's exciting. That's new. It's risky. Mm -hmm. It still has that energy of 
oh my gosh, we're still, we're still moving in this direction. And then you get into habits, whether that's before you move in together or not, you get into habits, things get monotonous. You were going out on dates. Now it seems to always look like we order out or we go out to dinner or we make food and then we watch TV and then we, you know, watch a movie or we go to bed. Yeah. It's like these habits and it, it gets kind of monotonous. It gets kind of boring. And so you, but, but the monotony and the boring is now safe. So the nervous system can relax. You're not in the cycle of, is this actually going to turn into what I think it's going to turn into? And so right. to understand that the human wants both categories. Yes. The human wants adventure and risk and play and excitement and spontaneity. And the human wants, <laughs> the human wants routine. <laughs> yeah. And reliability, dependability, structure. So we like both of these things. And it's really, it's really challenging for a significant other, a partner, to be it all, all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier to access at the beginning. Then these routines and things start, play, start coming out. And then it winds up being something that you get to work on together. Yeah. It doesn't just, how do we get it? spark back, you know, how do we, you know, right. but it's, work. it's almost accurate phrasing. You get it because <laughs> you go get it. Yeah. It doesn't change if you stay where you are doing the same things and that can shake up a system, you know, so shake up an individual system. And I'm talking about nervous system here. Yeah. Um, shake up the, the collective consciousness that is the relationship or the partner, you know, because sometimes one partner is fine with how it is. But a lot of times it's one that's a little bit more, this isn't enough, you know, or it's not even that this isn't enough. It's I want more. more. And the partner takes it personally and thinks that they are not enough. And then the other partner paradoxically winds up thinking, I'm just, I'm too much. If I wanted less, then they would feel happy. And so they, they both damn themselves in a sense. So mm -hmm. this is all very, very common and very normal. Yeah. Now, what's not normal is how people decide to respond to it as far as, well, what's not normal? A better way to phrase that is what's a normal way for people to manage that is to ignore it or to be upset with each other and resentful towards each other. That leads to one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse in a relationship, which is stonewalling yep. and contempt and defensiveness. Uh, and there's another one in there. Um, but that's a criticism is the other one. Yeah. So they fall into habits that have those relationship killers, basically. That's normal for a lot of people. Yeah. That they blame each other, that life gets really hard. What's the, uh, I would say, the which, I mean, a person can tell you which one's harder because that's a route people take. The other route people take is to actively participate in trying to stay together actively participate both parties meet and want to grow together right you know or it's kind of like a slinky effect where one's growing a little bit more than the other but they they go come on and they kind of slingshot the other one forward and they play this you know this game this mm -hmm. like slinky effect where one's growing and then integrating and then the other one's growing and integrating and they kind of keep doing this thing um but that can be really scary because you're, you're going down a path where you don't know who the other people are going to turn into. You don't know who you're going to turn into and you don't know who the other person is going to turn into. Yeah. And that is scary, but totally. that's adrenaline and that's excitement and that's sexy. So both 
paths are very challenging for a lot of people, but which one is worth more? You get to choose. Totally. So, um, you know, when you say, where do people meet in order to bring that spark or revive or whatever, I go to the kitchen table. <laughs> yeah. I go to the kitchen table and they start talking. They start, they start being real. Not just talking about the logistics of how they get their life to function the best, but they start sharing you know, because a lot of times in partnerships, especially long-term partnerships, you're looking at the other person and you think, you believe that you know everything about them. Right. And you don't. Because they don't know everything about you as you're growing, as your consciousness is expanding, as you're gathering information and processing it through your unique individual lens, as you go through cycles and seasons, as you exit your 20s and go, go into 30s. your 30s, as you go from maiden to mother. Totally. Or father. Or tragedy happens, grief happens, you change, mm -hmm. you lose people that you love, you change. So something inside of you. Now the core of who you are, it, your soul, you know, that's you. Mm -hmm. That's unwavering, unchanging, but there are some things, the way that you believe and the way that you think and sometimes the way that you love might shift a little bit. And so understanding that the, the person that you said yes to that person's going to evolve. And so are you. So you get to give yourself and your person permission to evolve. And it's scary. What if they turn into something that you don't actually really like? But what's worse? You don't really like it, but you both become more of who you are. So you dissolve the relationship because that's the natural next best step. Or you try to force each other to stay exactly where you were, exactly as the person that you did say yes to. But then your relationship and your life is kind of miserable. Totally. Or not kind of miserable. It's straight up unfulfilling. Mm -hmm. So it starts with really, really honest conversations. Keyword conversations with an S. Yeah. And so even if you have the courage to sit and talk real one time, you're probably going to need to do it a thousand more. For sure. And get it all up and get it all out. Mm -hmm. And my recommendation for people would be don't do it alone. If you're not familiar with how to hold a container, hold a, your Space, partner, yeah. and you don't understand the different masculine, feminine dynamics in that, because it's really difficult when both parties are breaking down at the same time. For sure. Who's holding and who's surrendering. So understanding there are times when one of you gets to fall up to pieces and there's a time when the other one gets to hold. It's really hard when both are trying to hold. Then it's almost like we're at a standstill. And nobody's nobody's breaking and nobody's allowing the other person to really get in. Mm -hmm. So if you can find people that have podcasts, start there. Or books, start there. Mm -hmm. If you can find someone that you appreciate and you enjoy that is available to mediate conversation or hold space for both of you. Right. So you can both break down if you've got someone, someone holding you both. Yeah. You need a third party for sure. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so you don't have to do it alone. There's, I mean, it, it's not just me. There's many people that have found their unique purpose in the world to be this thing for other people in relationships. Because we, and I'll speak generally here, we've decided we want to do differently for our own lives mm -hmm. and we want to help other people choose differently as well. For sure. 
So I love that. I think that mostly answers your yeah. question, but it's what you asked. I was anticipating that. And I'm like, this is a really big thing for people. And I really think that it starts with some honest accepting yep. and, and realizing. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I fully relate. You know, I always used to say to my partner, like really good sex starts outside of the bedroom mm-hmm. with us talking. And mm-hmm. I think so many people are in that phase or in that thinking cycle that, okay, if I want to revive my sex life, like, do I get toys? Like, should I go buy this, mm-hmm. you know, this like really nice lingerie? And it's just like, sure, but it's kind of like a Band-Aid approach and mm-hmm. you really got to dive in and do the communication. Yeah, because it usually winds up going kind of sideways yeah. if you start there. Right. Unless you really do have a really great, easeful, you know, you have a really solid foundation and you have easeful conversation and we're both kind of excited about this thing and then you go, oh, I went and did the thing and here we go. And like, and also see what, what happens because sure. you might be talking with your partner about something that you're excited about, like a toy or something, and it's fun in theory and then you go get the thing and bring it and they're like, <gasps> What's and then the person goes, wait, wait, wait. I didn't, wasn't expecting you to have that reaction. I was expecting, which oftentimes expectation leads to disappointment. Yep. I was expecting you to be so down, you know, mm-hmm. because a lot of times if the toy, if it isn't agreed upon by both, then sometimes the other person, again, interprets that as I'm not enough as I am when it actually isn't even about the toy. Right. It's about the new experience that you get to have with the other person, maybe with the toy. Totally. And sometimes the person chooses the lingerie because they think that they want to seduce their partner and that hasn't really been super available for sex. And so they put the lingerie on and they get up the courage to go and approach and have this maybe seductive moment with their person. And if their person doesn't respond Mm. the way that they are expecting, anticipating them to, then it can be really sad. For sure. And that can hurt a lot. And it really isn't about them. More often than not, it's not. Actually, it's not about them. Mm -hmm. You know, if the other person doesn't meet them where they were hoping to be met. Yep. So, and none of that can be resolved in the bedroom or with the lingerie or with the toys. Totally. It's got to be before because in that before and not just right before, like, like maybe, you know, 10 a.m. on a Tuesday <laughs> with coffee or something. Like it's got to be like, Wait, sex is yeah. no, we're not even thinking about it right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, Totally. It's got to happen there because it's in those conversations that you wind up feeling safe again with the other person to then take risks, Yes, which is expanding and expressing more and being more adventurous maybe in the bedroom. I love it. So you mentioned the four things that ruin a relationship. Mm -hmm. Can we go through those again and dive in a little bit deeper? Yeah, that they're um, based off the the Gottman Institute. So it's their big research centered that a big research company that specifically does research on relationships, sex, marriage, intimacy, and they have so many books and uh, so much information online. And there's one of the, one of their frameworks is called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Hmm. And it's basically what will, what will inevitably cause your relationship to end. And it was these four things that were present in all relationships that they followed that did wind up ending, whether that's in a breakup or divorce or something like that, right? Um, And so it's criticism, stonewalling, defensiveness, criticism, stonewalling, defensiveness, and contempt. Hmm. So those things are present. So 
Uh, criticism is nitpicking, criticizing. For sure. You know, telling another, telling the person that you love that they could have been better, need to do it better, need to do it a different way, your way's better, something like that. Yeah. Um, or someone outside of your relationship does things, you know, so-and-so's husband does blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah. Um, stonewalling is you kind of get into a bit of a tiff and then decide to stop talking to the other person. So you just like put up a wall, you know, and you're like in it with the, someone and then the the conversation kind of goes to a hush. And then the one of the, the people in the argument or in the conflict just decides, I'm not talking to you anymore. Right. And goes about, and just maybe even goes away, leaves the conversation, leaves it unresolved. Yeah. Um, and withholds, essentially, withholds the, the processing of the conflict, withholds what is, you know, in order to get to resolution, you have to process it through. Yeah. But they stop it. And then they just try to move on in a, in a kind of way. But a lot, oftentimes it's like a cold shoulder. I'm not even going to acknowledge you. Yeah. Um, and then defensiveness is as soon as something's brought up to someone, like there's some kind of like conflict or tension or whatever, and it's brought up to someone and then the person immediately starts defending. Right. And even sometimes tries to hot potato it back to the other person. Like I'm defending my position and I'm defending what's over here. And actually, how about you look at yourself? Totally. And then contempt is kind of the most difficult one to fully grasp, I think, and, and, um, and, and understand, but it's basically like, I would say a much, an even worse version of criticism where contempt is now, I'm basically disgusted with you. So mm. contempt is, I am so like, how could you be so dumb? Oh, right. Like I look at you and I am disgusted, but really what's, what's actually happening is it's, I'm internalizing this process and I'm actually feeling bad about myself for choosing you. So it's, I am putting you down and I am just disgusted with my life and with myself because this is where I'm at. Right. And I'm in contempt. I'm pissed about this situation, about all of it, about the life that I've said yes to, to you, all, all of it. Right. And all four of these things are a hundred percent reversible. Totally. But all, but those, whether that's multiple of them, um, I'm pretty sure that contempt is the one that seals the deal <laughs> when people find themselves in heavy contempt. Right. That's the one that's, it's, it's the most challenging to come back from. So heavy stuff. Yeah, it is. But, but also, if you know it ahead of time yes. and you can cultivate some self-awareness, then you can stop yourself. For sure. And you can stop your partner too. Yeah. There are times when I'm in my, my partnership, in my relationship with my husband, Jordan, and I'll notice that I do a thing and we have these specific phrases that we say to each other to remind ourselves yes. what we're really doing here. Yeah. You know, because it's in those moments when I'm lost in pattern or trigger or totally. something like that. I can't possibly see. Sometimes I can see it, but I'm so in it, I still can't stop myself from doing it or saying it. Yeah. And we have this rule that the first person back to love wins. Hmm. So if we're going to make this a competition, the first person who returns to love and softens to the other person is going to win. 
And we get a lot of that from uh, a mentor that we work with on our relationship. So I help thousands of people with their sex life and their relationships. And my, I have a relationship mentor. Yeah, I love that. My partner and I. Actually, we have multiple, you know, depending on what subject matter we're wanting to dig into. Yeah. Like our relationship and the health and, and conflicts and things like that. So I also choose my partner and I encourage our clients to do this too. I chose my partner not because of how much fun I, I get to have with him. Totally. I didn't choose him because our love feels so unique, even though it does feel really special. But love, I'm built for love. So are you. So is everybody listening to this podcast. Right. You're built to love. You're built to be in human connection. This is how we survive. So what is the unique thing? If the love and the fun and the adventure and the play and the stuff, the material, the money, whatever, that's actually not that unique. Right. What winds up being unique about my relationship with my husband is how we fight. I've never fought with anyone like I fight with him. <laughs> Meaning we're really good at it. Yeah. Because the best relationships are not void of conflict. Correct. I want to say the, the, the best relationships, the ones that get to navigate conflict in a way that both parties still get to maintain their dignity. Yes. Both parties still feel respected. Both parties get to feel expressed. And resolution comes in favor of the relationship, not because someone gave in to the other person. Right. So I chose my life partner contractually, the future father of my children, mm -hmm. I chose him because we fight well. I love that. Now, the fun and the adventure and the play and the silliness and all of that is just like major toppings totally. on this ice cream sundae. Yeah. But the fact that we can get through fighting and, you know, something that used to a few years ago take us several hours to process now takes us 20 minutes. We high five each other when it's done. I love it. That's so great. Yeah. And we're also not afraid, us personally, we're not afraid to fight in front, of, in front of other people because we want them to see how we do it. Mm, I like And that. I never saw conflict when I grew up. The men just disappeared. Right. They fought behind closed doors. So I didn't ever get to see modeled for me what any kind of conflict looked like, bad or good. Right. So we have, and it kind of makes people uncomfortable, especially my mom, when we decide to just have conflict where we have it. Yeah. And choose, you know, like we have, like, we don't have rules in our relationship, but we do have some agreements. Right. And some of those agreements, the agreements were in our vows when we got married, but the, there's, we don't talk bad about each other. Totally. I was just going to go there. We don't talk bad about each other. Yeah. So we don't get into a tiff. And I think about my mom being in the car and we get into a tiff and my mom's in the back seat and she's so quiet. <laughs> So uncomfortable. Like, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> and then we get out wherever we're going. We get out of the car. And as soon as we park, Jordan and I are not, we're not done. She goes, I'll meet you outside. <laughs> and she hops out of the car. <laughs> and I go, and I, Jordan and I finish and I start laughing with him. And I'm like, we just made her so uncomfortable. Oh, like we're okay. And so I get out of the car and Jordan, you know, he, he keeps walking. And, and he, and we're fine. We're totally fine. And I kind of take my mom to the side and I'm like, I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, well, that's y'all's business. And I go, mom, we're not afraid to do this in front of people because we know what we're doing. For sure. There's a loving way and to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And I said, you see that man, he's like in front of me, in front of us walking however many paces ahead. And I go, I love him with my everything. So like we were just kind of pissed with each other. I'm like, 
that is the greatest, that is my greatest accomplishment of my life right there. And so she, this is, this is the kind of stuff that just breaks other people's brains. Sure. Like we can be in conflict. And my next, as soon as he's out of earshot, that motherfucker, you know, <laughs> that's no, no. no. Yep. <laughs> yep. So. Oh, I can totally relate. Um, it's something that my partner and I always talk about that. Like we're really kind to each other. And I think yeah. that that's often missed or it's often neglected. It's just that, that kindness right? I'm never going to criticize him in front of somebody. No, that's just not okay. It's, I'm, I'm, I always come back to being kind. How can I be kind to him? So I love that. There's the right way to fight people. There is the right way to fight. (laughs) When y'all figure it out though, please let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you recommend relationship check-ins and what does that kind of look like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things, you know, when you get to a place where things are really broken down is what it feels like, or not, maybe not even necessarily broken down, but like breaking down, Mm -hmm. like, uh, so you're in your relationship and things are feeling really, really tense and we're making something out of nothing over and over and over again. Right. And so while I don't necessarily specialize in conflict, so to speak, I just have lived a lot of it in my relationships and in my life. And so I'm fascinated by it. What are all the ways to navigate it the best? What are all the ways to uh, to experiment and see to see how it works for me or for others um, better? So, you know, we don't necessarily put out on on the internet and on our website that we help couples in in crisis. We don't help people with crisis. Right. Like, if this doesn't work, then we're getting divorced next. You know, as soon as we're done, basically. Like, that's not the kind of couples that we typically wind up working with. I typically wind up working with people who are deeply, deeply in love and they want to make it work better. They can see that there's, if they let this thing keep going, it's probably not going to lead them somewhere that they really want to go and they want to get ahead of the whole thing. So conflict, sure. Crisis, you know, I would suggest people to go to to start working with um, maybe a therapist, like an LMFT, licensed um, family marriage therapist, and start working with that first so that the couple can get on an individual level, what are the traumas and triggers? Right. You know, I like working with people who are f- uh, at least familiar. familiar, if not fluent in right. understanding their patterns. Yeah. Right. And so when I say understanding your pattern, it's like, okay, well, when, like if conflict comes up, I cower and I collapse and on myself and I roll over and I let the other person win. Right. You know, if they use that kind of language, because I wouldn't normally use that language really describing it, but maybe someone else will use that. So like that's understanding. Okay. So that's a pattern. Where do I get that pattern from? I, when I was growing up, my father would get big and then my mother would cower. And so I learned to do that thing. Or my mother would get big and my father would cower to her. And so I learned, you know, it's from one of the attachment For figures. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I like to work with people that at least can trace where their things come from yeah. so that they have an awareness around it. Yes. But it's really, you know, I oftentimes will send people, I will say, go start working with a therapist when you want to really understand your past. And then when you're ready to take that information and focus on your future, mm-hmm. I'm your girl. I love that. Like big time, I'm your girl. Throw me in. Put me in, coach. I'm ready. Um, so anyway, when it comes to checking, so that's my like 
If you haven't done that, go do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> get started with that. Yep. There's no better time than yesterday to get started with that. Totally. Um, and so then tools like what I'm about to share with you become really relevant and you can, you can use them to the best of its ability when you really understand each other and, uh, and how you show up to conversations, deal with conflict, that kind of thing. But they're good for all people, no matter if you've been to therapy or not. So when you get to a place where, where it's just kind of crunchy, we're missing each other, right. this, needs, this could be better, think about all of the conversations you didn't have to get you there. Mm. You got to go have them. <laughs> right. On some level, you have to have them. It's not... Oh, you need to create an opportunity for me to be like, well, on June 10th, you said this thing and I did this and it's all your fault. Right. That's not what I'm talking about. It's all the times you, you stifled your expression. You kept stuff in, call them withholds or unsaids. So just think about that and just know that if there's a lot of stuff that has been in the, clogging this flow of, of clean, free flowing energy between you and your partner, then that gets to be addressed. So uh, relationship check-in is an opportunity to clear that pathway. Mm. So we have a guide, it's called a relationship check-in guide that helps lead people through a weekly check-in. How are we doing? Yeah. Is there anything that you're withholding, keeping in? Uh, what did you love about this last week of us together? Where do you think we could have done something better? How's our sex life? How are, how's our tiredness level? How social do we want to be? Where is she at in her menstrual cycle? Where is he at with stress with work? Mm -hmm. There's an opportunity to be real and be vulnerable with each other. And then it's also an opportunity to look at logistics. We actually pull out the calendar. How do we prioritize our love and our intimacy? Mm. Where do we put it? Because if you leave it to chance, oftentimes it gets brushed to the side. Right. And it doesn't get to happen. And so I will coach couples on scheduling sex which some people have such an aversion to. Such a resistance. Like I it bet. is the least sexy. least sexy thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Like couples who schedule sex are about to get divorced. I hear that. These are stories. Wow. Where I think, I'm so busy and we don't have kids yet. I'm so busy that if I don't block my calendar off, something will get scheduled there. Yeah. And by the time I get to the end of my day, I am so damn tired yeah. and hungry. And after I eat... And then I'm tired after eating. I don't know who, who really likes to have sex full and sleepy. <sighs> totally. So how about I set myself up for success? Right. So there's a window from two to four on Thursday where nothing's scheduled. I know this the week before. And so Jordan goes, don't put anything there. So I block it. So it's not available to get scheduled. Right. Because so many people have my scheduling link. Yes. To put something, a meeting on my calendar. So I'll go, great. So we don't have a plan. We just know nothing's going to happen there. Right. So it means we meet yeah. and we see what we want to do. Totally. You know, so it's not like we're, you know, I meet you in the bed and then we take our clothes <laughs> right. off and then you reach for the loo and then you, you know, right. it's not like that. I think some people think that right. it's this rigid kind of thing. It's like, you know what? I just didn't let anybody schedule anything with me right there. And I met my husband in the kitchen and we had sex on the kitchen counter. And then for, you know, 40 minutes after that, we snuggled on the couch. Right. You know, and that's just being playful, yeah. you know, and just trying to meet. And then sometimes we actually have scheduled things where we're going to try a new toy. Right. Or try a new experience 
or create a scene, king worship, queen worship. But we plan these things ahead of time so that we don't leave it to chance. Right. This is usually how this actually plays out is out of two scheduled sexual things on the calendar. One of them really happens at the time that it's planned. The other one usually gets shuffled to a better time while we're in the flow. And then there's usually one that is spontaneous. Right. So my preference is sex three times a week. Mm -hmm. Jordan's is sex every second of the day, I I feel like. (laughs) He's just like always ready to go. So, you know, I would be happy with two times. Right. But he's happy with every day. So we meet in the middle at three to four. Right. You know, depending. And he knows, right? I'm way more likely to have four to five times a week when I'm ovulating or in that that window window. of ovulation. Right, right. And I'm way, I'm way like two times at best if I'm in my luteal phase leading up to my period. Totally. So him knowing my cycle gives him information that helps him win with me. Totally. So if he doesn't expect sex five times a week when I'm about, when I'm in the week leading up to my period, he can relax. Yeah. Take the pressure off of himself. I love it. End of me. So um, that's the check-in so that you can plan your adventures together too. Like, what do you want to do for date night? Do you want to go for a walk with the dogs or go on a hike or get a babysitter or whatever you want to do? It's also an opportunity to plan Something that's more on the spiritual side too. So you have your secular and you have your sacred. So where's your sacred time? Mm. Where do you go into the devotion? Totally. Right? So I have like my quickie sex sometimes, but then where's my really deep devotional intimacy? And that's, that's like a whole can I was just going to say, so, like explain because somebody's like, like what sex, does that like, mean? What, like what tantric does, practices. Yeah. They take a long, they can take time. So like where's our time? where we're naked with each other and like actually with each other, where we're eye gazing, where we're breathing, maybe we're journaling, we're talking about our future and we're talking about our dreams and we're talking about all the things that we want in our lives. Right. And we have very deep, slow, connective sex filled with our, we fill the room with our energy of intention. You know, that's like, it's a little bit advanced. Yeah. But it's sex magic. I love it. I love <laughs> you know, it. sometimes we sometimes we have different substances and elements yeah. in the mix. It really just depends. Yeah. And for anyone who wants to, to take this little idea and go way further with it, you can follow Jamie Wheel. Okay. Jamie Wheel has recaptured the rapture um, book, but then he also was on the Kyle Kingsbury podcast and the Ben Greenfield podcast, okay. and he talked about how to make these practices. Yeah. Uh, they get really edgy. <laughs> so just cool. okay, well, my disclaimer. Yeah, we'll link that in the show notes. That sounds awesome. I'm sure a lot of people yeah. want to dive in for sure. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to have to have you back on another episode <laughs> so that we can talk about all the sex stuff, the stuff that I know so many women in our audience want to know about orgasm and the yoni egg and tapping into our sexuality where that's, that's a whole other hour <laughs> to dive into for <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, but where I'd love to just take this briefly is, I mean, the fact that you're a sex coach and for others out there who are like, can, can you really make this a career? Like, can you really turn this into a business? Is this possible? I'd love for you to share your experience with that from the business front. I think there's a lot of people in the world 
that are meant to do this work and don't know how mm. to make it happen. Yeah. I am overwhelmed with gratitude and appreciation for the work that I get to do. Every day feels so deeply purposeful to me. And I feel so fortunate that by, I think I was about 28 when I started to come, that I started to realize that this was my path. And there's so many people that will live their whole lives not feeling the level of purpose or they'll live their whole life seeking right. purpose. And um, I, like I said, I feel so fortunate that my career and what makes the money for my whole family is what my purpose is. Amazing. And there's so many, because my husband now works with me. So I had the business before we got together. He worked a corporate job. Mm -hmm. Corporate job, his section of the business was let go. He was on, he had severance for a little while and was trying to figure out what his next move was. And the only thing that made sense was he brought his gifts, bring, bring his gifts into our company and expand. Amazing. So, so fortunate that this thing that was cultivated inside of me now provides for not just my family, but multiple families because we have multiple full-time employees um, and we have contractors and all, like there's yeah. so, so many people who are a part of our message and a part of our mission. It's fascinating to me. Like I could have never guessed that this was what it was going to turn into. And I, I just, I feel blessed. And I know that it's for other people, but they don't know where to start. They don't know what education to get. They don't know if what kind of certifications they might need. Right. They don't know um, schooling and, you know, just the general, what do I need to know in order to, to start? Mm -hmm. That's a big bucket. Am I cut out to be a coach? What gives me the right to say that? Right. And some, for some people, it doesn't matter how much amazing sex education they have. The coaching part is challenging. Yes, Peopling is challenging. Managing their time and their space and their energy is challenging. And then for some people, they're amazing coaches. And maybe they have a great sex education, but they have no idea how to market themselves. The idea of building a business is they have all, they could be so gifted but they have no idea how to make money with it. Right. And, or they get trapped in a, a cycle of only being, being able to make certain amounts of money based off of the time that they put into it. And so it's, I may make X amount of money for this amount time, of time. Right. And if I get sick or I want to take vacation right. or I want to, it's now we don't make money. Right. And that's very, that can be very challenging. So I see three buckets that wind up stopping people from saying yes to this career path. And that's the sex education component and feeling like they're educated enough. The other part is the coaching fundamentals. And will they be a good coach? Will they actually be able to lead transformation and hold people um, to their, what they want, what their desires are? Right. And then the third is to actually make a business out of it. So um, I forgot what your original question was. <laughs> Can you actually make this a career? And the answer is yeah. yes. Yeah. The answer is yes, but it takes a special kind of person. Of you know, we joke. I, I joke um, with Jordan every now and then, and and we just talk about how people often will, you know, they'll leave. Like we'll see people who are like trying to break out into spiritual coaching or health coaching or some kind of coaching, mm -hmm. and it's you know what the world. I'm not meant to to operate this tradition in this traditional 3d world and blah, 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 and corporate. Yep. And I can't work with these, the, you know, these people in this way. I think I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I think I'm going to be a coach. 
as if it's anywhere <laughs> close to easier than what they were just doing. Totally. If it was easy, everybody would do totally. it. Totally. And you might see a lot of people in the space, but they're not actually doing it. Mm -hmm. It's true. So, yes, it's possible, mm -hmm. but it isn't easy. This is one of the hardest things I've ever done is 100%. to keep going. Yes. Like even in the times when I'm filled with purpose and love and I'm so happy that I'm doing this, but I'm looking at my bank account and I have one more auto draft to come out before I'm in the red. Mm -hmm. You know, this was a few years ago. Whereas like I'm a couple to a few years in and I'm still doing this push-pull. Totally. With investing in my business and trying to save and not being able to, as soon as I save, pouring it back into business. Yeah. And it's... It's really not for everybody. It's so true. It's really not for everybody. But for those that would rather die <laughs> than not feel their life filled with a purpose like this, yeah. than to not realize their dreams, those are the people that, you know, are going to make it. 100%. Yeah. yeah. They're going to make it. So it's, it's in the times when you have no more money left and you've invested it all in yourself and in your business. And things get really dark where it's like the universe is like, do you still want it now? Totally. And you say yes. Mm -hmm. And then eventually tides change. It does. It's all seasons. It's all cycles. Yes. Sometimes it's got to be winter. Guess what happens after winter? Spring. <laughs> yep. Depending on where you live in the world, you have the four seasons. In Austin, we seem to have summer yeah. and like four days of winter <laughs> and a little bit of fall. <laughs> yeah it's all over the place here in canada so yeah 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 we can experience so, like yeah. all four seasons in a 24-hour period it's crazy yeah, yeah. it feels like that mm -hmm. but yeah it's i sometimes. i think in the coaching world especially what we see in the online space there's a lot of misinformation and there's just this you know highlight reel of like making more money and making more rent money. And it's just, it's so easy and it's always on the up and up. And it's, that's not the case. It's not like it is an up and down, very rocky journey. And that is the truth. And, you yeah. know, you have to be so committed to that vision and that why that when you are in the down, you're still going to pick yourself up and keep going because it's that important to you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, universe rewards that one. Totally. 100%. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like the path is aligned for you and you're consistently taking inspired action, not manic action, but inspired action mm -hmm. that's on that path. Yeah. That's how you make it. That's definitely how you yeah. make it work. Yeah. And the people who are meant to do this are probably already doing it in their lives with their family, right. with their friends. They're already helping people. They're already that friend. Yes. Or that like kooky family member. Yeah. <laughs> that... Like knows a lot about lube and knows a lot about, you know, new things to try or is like, can you help me have anal for the first time? Right. You know, like, what do I do? Yeah. Like, how does that work? Yeah. Ew. You know, how to, like, what do I, where do I start? Yeah. <laughs> so, or they're the ones that are like, they're going with their partner to play parties or lifestyle experiences mm -hmm. and the people around them are very curious, but they're maybe, they're maybe sharing, but they're not, but they're already admired in some way I bet. Yep. for being this role. And I want to let them know you can absolutely do this full time and people will pay you lots of money mm -hmm. to help them work their stuff out. Because, I mean, I think about it. There's some clients that I have worked with 
that because of the work that we did, everything in their life is different For now. sure. So yeah. I had a single mom um, out of a 17-year marriage with a preteen and a teen when we first started working together over five years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm getting ready to officiate her wedding. Oh, that's beautiful. So her whole life is different yep. now. And her relationship with her daughter that's beautiful. is different. The empowerment that she's able to give her daughter tells me, you know, several weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, can't remember the timeline now, but she brought her to a sex shop for the first time to get her first vibrator. And she was so impressed with how much knowledge and information she had to give to her to guide her. Wow. And so it's like that young woman's whole life gets to be different because she has a mom that is knowledgeable and is confident totally. and is choosing to live life, especially in her romance, intimacy, sex, more authentically, more expressed. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That is huge. That's huge. And so. being a parent that can hold the space for their mm. children as they navigate that, because so many parents don't know how to navigate that and don't know how to communicate that. I love yeah. that. So it's big work. For sure. It's, it's really big work. And I need more people to be doing it with me. Awesome. Because there's no such thing as scarcity. This, While I say there's lots of people like me out there, there's not enough. Right. There really isn't. I can't do the work alone. I'm a small little tiny portion of the internet. Not that many people are going to find. If there's eight plus billion people in the world, how many are actually going to find me right. and find my message that I'm, at, that I'm going to be able to help? So it's a part of our mission now to help more people step into this type of work to give them the sex education that they, that it really takes in order to do this work effectively. Right. The type of coaching that it really takes in order to do this effectively to lead transformation and to take the scariness out of being public with this subject matter. For sure. And also how to make sure Instagram doesn't take your stuff down. Yeah. That's another, <laughs> another thing to navigate. You know that too, sort of. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's tricky to navigate. Well, this has been really amazing. Thank you so much for being with us today. Where can our audience find you and connect with you? Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. That was a really, it only feels like we touched a few of the I know. questions, but many, <laughs> but many other questions were answered within them. Absolutely. At least that's my hope. And the people who are listening have more questions about some of the things that I shared, then the best place to find me is Instagram and my team. So that sex chick is my Instagram. And then the, the whole sex and love co is our company. The whole sex and love co team is very present and available on Instagram and other social media platforms as well. If you want to just like get a good laugh, you can find me on TikTok. <laughs> awesome. Uh, but like the, you know, the real juice in the storytelling is happening on Instagram. And then from there, you can see all the free resources, like the relationship check-in guide is a free resource. We have a want, will, won't list for people to figure out what they want in their sex life and what they don't want. Awesome. Um, we have the sex magic mini course that's free, that's available, that helps people put together a more ritualistic kind of sex and has like a playlist. So all that stuff's Love available it. on the site that you can find from my Instagram. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much. That was really great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you feel that anybody in your life can benefit from today's episode, we would love it if you can share it with them. And if you would like to connect with Alexa on Instagram, you can find her at that sex chick. Thanks so much for being with us today. I will chat with you all next week. Have a great day.